That's the only people that get results are the doers. Not just church goers, not just meeting goers, not just service attenders, not just note takers, not just book readers or DVD watchers or CD players. Only the doers get results. And you are a doer. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Uh, before I go further, everybody that served in some capacity in the meeting, would you stand, please? You served uh, cleaning, parking lot, ushering, hospitality. Glory to God. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so pleased with you. Glory to God. You're just doing such a fine job. I believe the Lord is pleased. You're representing Him well, representing the church and us well. You know, it makes all the difference when you do what you do as unto the Lord. And from your heart, then you do it with all your might and you do it with excellence. And it's a witness. And you're doing that. I'm so pleased. Mm. Glory to God. What a fine bunch you are. If you didn't bring a Bible uh, with you this morning, raise your hand. The ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. And everybody, let's turn to James, the fourth chapter. James chapter 4. James chapter 4 and verse 6. James 4, 6 says, But he, God, giveth more grace. Everybody said out loud, he gives more grace. grace. Say it again. He gives more grace. Would you like more grace? Did you think, what, what effect would more grace have on your life? What, what kind of impact, what kind of changes would that result in? The grace of God is the essential, all-encompassing factor in our life of faith. And it is the difference between success and failure. It is the difference between being saved and being lost, being healed and and staying sick, having your needs met, or going under. And no matter what the situation is, with enough grace, you can come through anything. With enough grace, you can overcome anything. With enough grace, you can receive anything. It doesn't get too big. If you've struggled receiving it, it's not that you can't receive it. You just need more grace. If something has been a challenge to you and you've fallen again and again repeatedly in the same area, it's not that you can't get free. It's not that you can't be free. You know what you need? More grace. The fact that you're sitting up in here clothed and in your right mind proves God's been gracious to you. You're still here. You've made it through some stuff, over some stuff. 
You have had grace. But you could use more grace. And you got a God who is the God of grace. And He gives grace. And He gives more grace. And the book of Acts talks about great grace was upon them all. And I mean things were popping and going. And folks were get thousands were getting saved. People were getting saved daily. And miracles and wonders and whole towns turning to the Lord. Great grace was upon them all. Let's keep reading. He gives more grace. Wherefore he saith God resists the proud but gives grace unto the humble. Now we should know grace is essential. We should know we got to, we, we must have grace and we need more grace. But who gets the grace? Not just everybody. Who gets the grace? The humble. Now, we could say, reading the first part, who doesn't get grace? The proud. Actually, not only do the proud not get grace, they get something else. Instead, what do they get? Resisted by God. Now, think about this. If... Uh, if you need grace to make it through anything, and now you, you not only don't have grace, but God's resisting you, are you going to make it? No. You can't make it without grace and resisted of God. How many believe the Bible? It's true, right? Can saved people be proud? What about word and faith people? Can they be proud? And if they are, will they get grace? No. No. And without grace, you'll not overcome. You'll not receive. Let's keep reading. It goes on to say, Submit yourselves therefore. So therefore refers to the previous things. This, this is a part of what's already been said. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now this is a well-known scripture in our circles. Faith people, word people. Well-known, at least half of it. Is well known. You know which half I'm talking about? Resist the devil. And he'll flee from you. And it's usually quoted. Just like resist the devil. And he'll flee from you. But that's not the whole verse. Is it? Resist the devil. And he'll flee from you. Should we put more emphasis on that part? Than the first part? No. In fact, the first part is first for a reason. <laughs> the Lord could have just as easily said, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And submit yourself to God. He could have said it that way. But how many know the Lord is perfect and the way he says it is perfect and, and the priority, the, the preeminence, the order, everything is perfect. 
And so he said it, and you got to go back to the beginning of it. He's talking about grace. He's talking about being humble. He's talking about submitting yourself. And then he says, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Uh, I had the privilege for a number of years to minister uh, in Brother Kenneth Hagin's healing school where people would come and had needs in their body and we'd minister to them on faith and healing. And uh, one morning session, there was only 20 or 30 people in a little little class. Uh, we had larger groups in the afternoon. But uh, this lady came up after the service. And, and I could tell as she approached me, she had a stern look on her face and she's troubled. She had a book in her hand. And she came up to the podium and just, just threw it the, the book on the on the podium and she said I wish you'd tell me something please (laughs) I said well I will if I can she said why doesn't this work and I just looked down and saw that it was a bible turned to the book of James I said it does she said no it doesn't I said yes it does she said no it doesn't I said yes it does she said no it does. We're getting nowhere. I said, what, what do you mean? This right here. And she pointed to James 5, 14 and 15. You're right there close by. You can look at it. James 5, 14 and 15. Put it up on the screen for us. What does it say? Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he's committed any sins, they'll be forgiven him. I said, it does work. She said, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I said, so you, you did it. She said, yes, and it didn't work. No. I said, let's go over this carefully. I said, you were sick. She said, yes, I still am. And you called for the elders of the church. Yes, and they prayed over you and anointed you with oil. And prayed the prayer of faith over you. Yes. But the Lord didn't raise you up. Didn't heal you. No. Hmm. I said let's go over this skin real slow. You, you call for the elders of the church. Yes. They prayed over you and only threw up with oil. And the uh, Lord didn't raise you up. No. And so I, I just stopped and I said hmm. I said, I'm sorry, sister. I guess he lied to you. I don't care who he is. If he said he'd do it and he didn't do it, isn't that a lie? I'm sorry. I guess he lied to you. She looked at me with a look on her face. She thought, hmm. She said, the Lord can't lie. I said, it's what I thought. Let's, let's go over this again. Really? Real slow. You called for the elders. Yes. They anointed you with all. Yes, they prayed the prayer of faith. Yes. I said, might I inquire, what exactly did they pray? She said, well, they prayed, Lord, heal her if it be thy will. And so I began to try to talk to her about that you have to know the will of God. In order to pray a prayer of faith, faith begins when you know God's will and but, but the point I wanted to make is she was so sure it didn't work. And she's so adamant 
that she did it and they did it, did they do it? No, they didn't do it. If they had done it, it works. Now, we, we, in, in looking at this passage, they attempted to resist this sickness in her body, but it didn't go. They attempted to receive a healing, but it didn't come. And now she's upset. She's irritated. She's annoyed. She's angry. But who is she angry at? Think about it. I mean, what? she's upset. She just saw me that day. I wasn't there when they were praying. And yet she's irritated with me too. Why? This is a characteristic of pride. Pride is an arguer. Pride is defiant and rebellious and arguer, among other things. Notice it in this situation I'm describing to you, and particularly begin to watch for it in yourself. You get upset, you want to argue, you want to fuss, why? Who are you upset at? And there's been many a case where somebody tried to resist something and it didn't go. They endeavored to receive something and it didn't come. And so they got louder and they pushed harder and they got upset. And that is not how you get the answer. That is pride. Everybody awake. What do the proud get? Let me go over this again slowly now. (laughs) Sound familiar? This lady, what is she, when she's upset, what is she saying? Without saying it, what she, she's saying, I, we know what we need to know. And we did everything we were supposed to do. And it didn't work. That's pride. Truth is, you barely know anything. And how haughty for you to presume that it, you've done everything right. And how arrogant to point a finger and say God's word didn't work. Did it never occur to you that maybe you <laughs> might have not done something? Might have not. Why? Why you first off you got to go God. But friend, this is an answer. Why? Because with enough grace, with enough grace, you can come through anything. You can overcome anything. You can receive anything with enough grace. But who gets the grace? The humble. The humble. Humility And the next word, submission, submit yourself to God, are not popular words. It's not something that the body of Christ, by and large, is is clamoring after and reaching after. I mean, if I announced, you know, uh, we're going to have a submission conference. (laughs) 
people, people might stay away by the droves. And, and, and some people go, oh, that's that error. Error, submission. Oh, yeah, that's bad stuff. But if we want to talk about authority, getting free, prosperity, oh, yeah, sign me up. But the submission to God comes before resisting the devil and him fleeing. Come on. And before that came humility and getting grace. We should be very interested in humility and submission because that's what puts us in the position to get the grace to operate in the faith and in the power. And in the authority. Do you believe it? One of the very first things that the Lord ministered to me personally about. In my early teens. One of the first times I can say that he spoke spoke to me directly. I, I was reading the Bible through for the first time. I had gone to church and I had heard scriptures. But I, I realized you need to read the Bible yourself carefully from, from the beginning to the end. So I started in Genesis. And I got to Numbers, the 12th chapter and the 3rd verse. And it said, Now the man Moses was meek above all the men that were on the face of the earth, or in the earth. And the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice now, but inside me very distinctly. He said, Keith, did you notice? Moses was the meekest man in his generation. I thought, yes, I didn't know that. I hadn't seen that. Yes. And just immediately he said, did you also realize he's the most used man of me in his generation? Was Moses used mightily in his generation? Oh, and is it coincidence that he also was the meekest man in his generation? It was by the grace of God. That he was able to do anything. And I mean there was tremendous grace poured in and through his life. We, we must desire humility. The, the word humble basically means uh, low. The idea of low. Lowness. You see in the scripture the word lowliness. Lowliness of mind. And to, to a lot of folks, you hear the word lowly, and that just don't sound good to you. And you think, no, you know, lowly. I won't talk about being high. <laughs> but should we desire to learn about lowly? Submission means the opposite of resisting. He said, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Well, submission is the opposite of resisting. Instead of resisting, you're yielding. We should resist the devil. We should never resist God. We should yield to him. Two of the most important things you could ever learn in this life is what to yield to and what to resist. There's a whole lot of people resisting what they should be yielding to. Right? And yielding to what they should be resisting. We've learned that we should resist the devil. We should resist temptation to sin. We should resist sickness. We should resist poverty. And so you can get in a resisting gear and a resisting mode. 
And no, I'm not going to take it. No, I'm not giving in. No, I'm not giving in. No, I'm not giving in. But when you come to God or somebody he's placed over you, you better not shout, I'm not giving in. You better change gears. You better give in. Quick. And go low. Go to Matthew, please, the 11th chapter. Matthew 11. Everybody awake in here this this morning. You believe this is important? It is. Matthew 11. And verse 28. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest. We which have believed do enter into rest. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn of me. Jesus is speaking. Learn about me. I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find what? Rest. Unto your souls. This is the answer to so much turmoil that people are in. So much turmoil. When things are not going right, you're not receiving like you should be. You're resisting, rebuking, and binding, but it didn't go. It didn't change. It's not time to get up in arms and and get agitated, and get louder, and get aggravated, it's time to go low. Are you with me? It's time to humble yourself, not in front of the problem, in front of God. Humble yourself. Because what do you need? If it's not working, what do you need? You need more grace. If it's not flowing, if you're not receiving it, If it's not changing, instead of doing like we described with the lady, well, I've done everything. Have you now? I've been in the Word for 40 years. I know all of this. Do you now? You know it. Must be something you don't know. Huh? I'm doing it. Must be something you're not doing. Not time to get mad. Not time to get aggravated and irritated and frustrated. What's it time to do? Help me out. What's it time? Go low. Humble yourself. Submit. It's time to get submissive and humble. Why? Because you need grace. And the grace doesn't go to the haughty. The psalmist said the proud he knows are far off. You don't want to be a far off from God. The the next verse right after where he said, you know, humble yourself and and submit yourself. Draw near to him. He'll draw near to you. How do you draw near to him? He's been talking about humility and submission. That's how you draw near to him. 
You humble yourself in front of him. You acknowledge how big he is, how great he is, how perfect he is, how he can't miss it. He can't fail. His word cannot fail. And how much you need him and have to have him and how dependent upon him you are and how you're believing him and looking to him and relying on him and you worship him. You go low. And the grace flows to the low place. Come on now, are y'all with me? The grace flows to the lowly of heart. Thank you, Master. Glory to God. He said, learn of me. Verse 29, put it back up, please. Learn of me. You want to learn about Jesus? You want to be like him? How was he? How is he? Meek, humble, and what? Is lowly of heart something you desire? Are you sure? Do you want to be lowly of heart like the master? Have you been thinking about it? Have you been pursuing it? Do you want it? Let's pray about it right now. Everybody. Say it out loud. Father God. I love you. I believe these words. I want to be like the master. I ask you for mercy. Forgive me for being haughty, proud, stubborn. I want to be like the master. Teach me. Reveal to me what real humility is. How to be meek. I want to be lowly in heart. Just like Jesus. Show me how. And I'll receive it. And I'll pursue it. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. You believe he'll answer that prayer? Yes. Yes. Meek and lowly of heart. Everybody say lowly. It's not a bad thing. That's a good thing because that's who gets the grace. You know, uh, go with me to a couple of places. You, you got any time this morning or you, you're in a big, big rush? Or, go to 1 Kings 21 and 2 Chronicles 33. I want to take a little bit of time on this part. 1 Kings 21, 2 Chronicles 33. I believe you'll see in the scriptures here how God responds to pride and humility. He responds very differently. And we've already seen it in the New Testament. What does he do with the proud? He resists them. He knows them afar off. You do not want God doing that with you. Do you? There's only one way to keep that from happening. That's not to be proud. Not to yield to it. Now there's not a one of us in here. That has never yielded to pride. It's always there. The world's full of it. The nature of your flesh. It'll come up. You'll be tempted. 
It's manifested in all kind of different subtle ways. It is the very nature of the devil. It is. And the nature of the master is the very opposite, meek, lowly of heart. I don't want to be like the devil. Do you? That means then you can't be proud. Pride is interwoven with our very culture. Just proud to know you. Proud to be an American. So proud of my kids. You say, what's wrong with that? Everything. What's wrong with being proud with your kids? Everything. That's going over big, ain't it? They need you to tell them that you're proud of them. No, they don't. God's the greatest father of all. And when he wanted to say something over his son Jesus, what did he say? This is my beloved son. I'm so proud of him. <laughs> the reason why people say I'm proud of my kids, because they are. They're proud of their kids. It's my boy. My girl. And ain't nothing good about it. You need to tell them. You're pleased with them. You believe in them. You don't need to be proud. Nor do they. Pride is the nature of the devil. It's what got him kicked out of heaven. It's what he breathed into our parents, Adam and Eve. And it will cut us off from the grace of God. Cause God who loves us to resist us. Oh, but with enough grace. With enough grace, we can do anything. Overcome anything. Resist the devil and he'll have to run. With enough grace. But only the humble get the grace. Two of the meanest guys in the Bible. I'm about to show you. You ever heard of Ahab? Bad dude. I mean, he did stuff you never even thought of. 1 Kings 21, 25. 1 Kings 21, 25 said, There was none like unto Ahab who did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord. I mean, his picture was in the dictionary by wicked. It said, wicked said, see Ahab. Wicked. Not just people thought he was wicked. In the sight of the Lord, the Lord said he's wicked. Whom Jezebel, his wicked wife, stirred up. She was wicked or more wicked than him. He put them together. Double wicked. 26. He did very abominably. In following idols, according to all, as did the Amorites, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And it came to pass, when Ahab heard the words, he rent his clothes and put sackcloth on his flesh and fasted and lay in cloth, sackcloth and went softly. What's he doing? You have to read the rest of the passage, but the, the word was judgments coming on you. 
All this wicked stuff you've done and the nation has done. All these terrible punishments and judgments are coming. And when Ahab heard it, he tore his clothes. He hit the floor. He started repenting. And verse 28, the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishpite and said, verse 29, Do you see how Ahab humbles himself before me? Because he humbles himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days. If anybody deserved it, it was him. He said, no, I'm going to put it off a generation. So he won't even experience it. Why? The stuff he did, we don't even want to recount. Awful, terrible, wicked. He, He just gave himself totally to evil. And yet, when he falls down and humbles himself before God, what does it do to the heart of the Father? He goes, look at him. Judgment was coming like a flood. And he said, look how Ahab has humbled himself. He said, no, it's not going to come on him then. He's going to get to live his life out and Go to 2 Chronicles 33. There was another guy. As bad, maybe worse. If if it could be. Then they have Manasseh. You ever read about him? 2 Chronicles 33.1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. He reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. Keep, Keep going. I'm going to read several verses here. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, like the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. He built again the high places which Hezekiah's father had broken down. He reared up altars for Balaam. He made groves. He worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. He built altars in the, in the house of the Lord. Whereof the Lord had said in Jerusalem shall be my name forever. He put idols in the Lord's house. He built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. He caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. That means he burnt babies alive in his idol worship. He observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft, dealt with a familiar spirit and wizards. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Keep going. He set a carved image, the idol which he made, in the house of God. Which God said to David and Solomon, in this house in Jerusalem, which I've chosen before all the tribes, I'll put my name. And you keep reading, he, it just goes on describing the, the horrific things that he did. But skip down to about, let's see, verse uh, 12 and 13. When he was in affliction, he, be, he besought himself before the Lord is God. What had happened? Judgment had come. The enemies had come and destroyed them and taken him away captive. And in his affliction as a prisoner of war now, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. Verse 13. And he prayed to him 
And he, God, was entreated of him, and he heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. He got him out of being a prisoner of war, put him back head of the kingdom. After all the stuff he's done, and then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. These are two extreme examples of what humility will cause God to do. What does God do with the proud? He resists them. But what about the humble? Is that grace? I don't think you'd be ready to be kind to Manasseh if he burnt your babies in the fire. You'd see how quick we could get a bullet between his eyes. Much less forgive him, get him out of jail, put him back in his palace, restore him. After all the blasphemy and murders and evil, he practiced every kind of witchcraft. He did everything he could do. That's obvious. If it was evil and perverted, he tried it out. And yet, when he called out to God, and didn't just call out, he humbled himself. How many know you you can say some things with a tone and not really humble yourself? But this is a thing of the heart. When in your heart you quit playing games and you quit putting on fronts and you quit talking big talk and you put your nose in the carpet and you say, the Lord, he is God. I've been a fool. I've been ignorant. God, have mercy on me. You humble yourself. Somebody say humble yourself. Go low. When you do, what happens? Grace flows to the lowly of heart. Let me read a few more verses to you. The scripture said in Proverbs uh, 3.34, Surely he scorns the scorners. That's another way of saying he resists the proud. People that are scorning and haughty and proud, God resists them. and If they resist him, he resists them. If they scorn, he scorns. But he gives grace to the lowly. Proverbs 11.2, when pride comes, then comes shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. Who gets the wisdom to know what to do, know how to get out of this? That's grace. And who gets it? The humble get the wisdom. Thank you, Lord. Go with me to Mark, please, the the ninth chapter. Mark chapter 9. This is a, a clear picture of what we're talking about. In this ninth chapter of Mark, this man brought his son to the disciples. He was called in the King James lunatic. He had seizures. Verse uh, 18, Mark 9, 18. He said, wherever he takes him, he tears him, and he foams and gnashes with his teeth and pines away. And the man's telling Jesus, I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Didn't say they would not. Said they could not, which means they tried. Right? And previous to this, Jesus had authorized them. 
He said, I give you power and authority over every every unclean spirit to cast them out, over every disease. And he sent them forth and they preached and they ministered healing to people and they cast out spirits and they came back saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us in your name. But here, this man brings his boy who's oppressed and they obviously tried. They tried to cast it out. They tried to, to stop it. And it didn't happen. They resisted the devil. And he didn't go. Are y'all with me friends? In the beginning days of the church. People were healed. There were miracles. The Bible said there was not any among the church that lacked. Remember reading that in the book of Acts? So there was plenty, there's prosperity, there were miracles, signs, and what healings and miracles were just the way it was. So what happened between there and then so that now you've got millions of the church questioning if it's God's will to always heal or questioning if it's always God's will for you to have your needs met? It's because of this thing right here. Somebody somewhere, not too far into the church, maybe that had been seeing success, Prayed, and it didn't work. They tried to cast out, and it didn't happen. And instead of humbling themselves, they made a new doctrine. (laughs) That it's not always God's will. And sometimes God in His sovereignty sees fit to perfect holiness through these things. And and He's working something out in their life. and, And you just never know. This is haughtiness. This is pr- why is the first thing you think of it didn't work. You think of God. It didn't work. Must be God. How do we think that's that's dumb? It didn't work. What should we think? It's real simple. If it was good, it was God. If it was bad, it was you. It worked, it went great. God. We flopped, it was a mess. Us. Don't create a new doctrine. Humble yourself. When it doesn't flow, the devil don't go, you don't know, it's time to go low. (laughs) Right? Time to go low. Humble yourself. Submit yourself to God. So Jesus came, cast that thing out. Boy was delivered. Boy was was healed. So it proves it was always the will of God for him to be healed and delivered. Their failure proved nothing except they failed. Didn't establish the will of God for the boy. And so later on, after they got back to the house, in verse 28, Mark 9, 28, when he's coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? Why couldn't we do it? Because he, he just did it. They had done it. Well, why, why this time? And uh, Jesus said to them, Verse 29, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. In Matthew 17, 20, he had said, because of your unbelief, 
Both of these are true. Because of their unbelief. And what to do about it? Pray and fast. Now skip down just a little bit more in the same chapter and notice something. Verse 33, I guess it is. I mean, you know, how many of you realize verse 33 is close to verse 28 and 29? <laughs> you see that, right? This is, this is right together. He came to Capernaum. This is right immediately after this. Being in the house, he asked them, what was it that you disputed among yourselves by the way? I noticed there was some arguing going on. What was up? What's the deal? What are you guys fussing about? And verse 34, they held their peace. Nobody said anything. Nobody answered. Why? They're ashamed. They're embarrassed because, by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. <laughs> now, what most of those conversations have been like? <laughs> Who's the greatest? <laughs> Peter, James, Paul, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew. Well, I think I'm going to be the greatest. No, you're not. What did you see? you see back there at such and such town? Uh, that deliverance, was that mighty or not? Well, what about that healing? I ministered to that boy over there another time. Well, I, I'm the greatest. No, you're not. I am. Well, neither one of you are. I am, the other guy said. Got to be something along this line. And so then they get to, to this boy here, and that guy brings his son, and, and well, says, step back, let me show you all how this is done. And, and it didn't happen. Another one said, see there, let, let, let a pro show you. And it didn't happen. None of them, none of them could get it done. Now, that might not have been exactly those words, but it's got to be the spirit of that because they're arguing about who's the greatest. Who's the greatest? And the devil didn't leave. Let me read that scripture to you again in James, our text. Just listen to it. James 4 7 in the Young's literal translation says, Be subject then to God. Stand up against the devil and he'll flee from you. What does it start with? Not resisting the devil. It started with humbling yourself and submitting to God and resisting the devil. Easy to read. It says, So give yourselves to God, stand against the devil, and he'll run away from you. New century says, so give yourselves completely to God and stand against the devil and the devil will run from you. Do we believe this verse? So what if you did it and it didn't happen? Hmm? (laughs) Go low. (laughs) Come back. Don't, don't, Don't be ignorant. Don't be haughty. See when people, that, that lady that came up and threw the Bible on the, on the podium. What, what, why is she haughty? What's she upset about? See, what she's saying without saying it is, 
I know everything I need to know. We did everything we were supposed to do. And God didn't do what he, he said he would do in the Word. That's arrogance, isn't it? That's pride. What do the proud get? They, they don't get grace that you got to have to make it, and they get resisted. So that's why it just gets harder, and the harder people get, the more they want to argue, the more they want to fuss, the madder they get, the further down they're going to go. It's going to get harder without grace. Oh, but friend, if we had enough sense to put our nose in the carpet and humble ourselves and say, God, you never miss it. You never, your word is perfect. It has never failed and it never will. You have never failed anybody and you never will. I'm the one that don't know things. I'm the one that's made mistakes and I worship you. I'm looking to you. I humble myself. You created me. You give me. I couldn't have a thought without you. I couldn't get another breath without you. You're everything. I worship you. True worship is inseparable from humility. You can't really worship God without humbling yourself. Because worship is acknowledging he is above me. He's over me. I'm under him. I'm completely dependent upon him. Can you say amen? Amen. And if you'll do that and you'll humble yourself and you'll be lowly of heart before him, the grace flows to the low place. Come on now. If he would have mercy on Ahab, Manasseh, child burners, huh? Wouldn't he have mercy on a child of his own, a blood-bought? Spirit-filled child of God, humbling humbling himself. Wouldn't he cause grace to flow to you? And couldn't that grace cause you to know in a moment? See, like that lady right there, she's all adamant and upset. And I I tell her, that's not the the prayer of faith. She goes, oh, oh, that's not faith. No, I'm sorry. No, that's not faith. Then it begins to be clear. Well, okay, no wonder it didn't work. We didn't do it. And can't can't the grace of God with you humbling yourself before the Lord, can't it flow to you? And in a moment you just know, oh, of course. (laughs) I got to change that. I got to quit doing that. Well, no wonder. Correction's not bad. Correction's good. Isn't it? It's good. Repentance is not bad. Repentance good. Repentance is a gift. It's a gift. When you know what's wrong, you can change it. Now you can come out. Now you can stand up and resist the devil and he will run. As in terror. It always works. You just weren't doing it. (laughs) Go to Matthew, please, the 18th chapter, I believe it is. Now, Matthew 17 is Matthew's account of the same passage that we read about they, they couldn't get the boy set free. And then they asked Jesus, why couldn't we cast him out? And in Matthew 17 is where he told them, because of your unbelief. And then uh, in Mark's account, it says, Jesus said, this kind comes not out but by prayer and fasting. Well, Psalm 35, 13, you don't have to turn there, but... 
Uh, in Psalm 35, 13, it says, I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer returned to my bosom. Uh, among other things, them praying and fasting would be a way of humbling themselves. Can you see this? We know they were on a wrong track with this thinking about who's the greatest and all this kind of stuff. They needed to quit examining themselves between each other and comparing and, and, and nursing these grandiose ideas of who I am and whom I'm going to be in the kingdom. And they need to fast, tell that body no, and put it under and get away from everybody and everything and pray and seek God and humble themselves. Come on, can you see this? And in humbling themselves in fasting and praying, the hindrances to their faith would have been removed and their grace would have come. Come on, can you see this, friends? And in Matthew's account, in Matthew 18, which is just a few verses from what he was talking about, about this in 17, notice what Jesus immediately began teaching them. Matthew 18, verse 1. Jesus uh, said, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? See, they were arguing about it, fussing about it. And now he wants to tell them, All right, let me tell you who is. Verse 3, excuse me, 2. Jesus called a little child, little, little child to him and set him in the midst of him, set him up. And verse 3. He said, Verily I say to you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Keep going. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself. Who's going to humble you? You're going to humble you. you not, not somebody else. This is not God humbling you. This is you humbling yourself. Whoever will humble himself as this little child, the same is what? Greatest in the kingdom of God. Moses was the most used man of God in his generation. No question about that. The signs, the wonders, nations changed and moved. He was also what? The meekest, the most humble man in his generation. And Jesus says in the whole kingdom of God, you know who's the greatest? It's the one that humbles himself like this little child. Now, there's a couple of things, more than that, about being like a little child that makes you great and effective in the kingdom of God. For one thing, little children, little ones that haven't been messed up yet in their mind and thinking. They're innocent. They are quick to believe without understanding. They'll believe. Not consider, they will absolutely believe. Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy, Santa Claus, which is why you should never tell them anything that is not 100% true. You tell it to them, they'll believe it. Not have a clue how it could be. They'll just believe it in simple faith. No matter how old you are, that's the way you're supposed to be with God. Because compared to Him, 
It's not a figure of speech. You are a little bitty child. I don't care if you're 150 years old and can quote the Bible backwards and forwards. Compared to him, you are little bitty, not even in diapers. Knowledge-wise. So when he tells you something, you're not supposed to go, well, let me see if I can figure that out. Let me see if that makes sense to me. That's arrogance. You're going to tell the Almighty? You're going to see if you can figure it out before you believe it? Who do you think you are? He's the one giving you your next breath so you can have a thought. And you're going to tell him, well, let me see if I can figure this out. If I believe whether what you said is right or not. Those guys get resisted and they get no grace. And life gets harder and harder for them. But when you can hear what the Lord says, you just look up like a little bitty child and go, Yay! (laughs) If you say it, that's it. Whatever you say. And a little child that hasn't been spoiled... And spoiled is a bad word. Hadn't been spoiled and taught that they are supposed to be the center of the universe and everything revolves around them. Unless they've been taught that, they will humble themselves and not expect a bunch of things and not feel uh, hurt because they're not. They're just happy in their innocence. And you and I got to be able to just come and fall down before the Lord and not feel like we're hurting ourselves to have to humble ourselves. Just that's the way it's supposed to be. He's God. And we're us. Yeah, we got a right to be there. Yes, He loves us. Yes, we've been the made the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes, we got authority in Jesus' name. Yes, we're going to rule and reign with Him. But it's all and only by the grace. Grace. Somebody say grace. Say grace. 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 Who's the greatest? The one that humbles himself like this little child. Thank you, Lord. Stand on your feet, everybody. Let's practice it some. Right now, it's time to act on the Word. Pride is the nature of the devil. You don't want anything to do with it. Humility, meekness, lowliness of heart and mind, that's like the master. That's how you want to be night and day. Pride is a pretender, fake, phony. Pride is an arguer. And listen, don't kid yourself. Ever how you are with people, that's the way you are with God. Don't kid yourself. If you argue with people all the time, you're just an arguer. That's the way you'll be with the Lord too. Let's repent right now before Him. Let's humble ourselves before Him. Everybody said out loud, Father God. I humble myself in your great presence. Forgive me for being haughty, stubborn, for resisting 
Forgive me for being angry, not considering myself, not being quick to humble myself. I do it right now. In my heart, in my mind, I say you are great. You are over me. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. I worship you in humility of heart and mind. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, come on, just praise Him. Just worship Him. Oh, speak in tongues, words of humility. Oh, kosne ashi 